We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, everything, everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. Brunch culture. She's Lisa V. And he's Randall Key. And this is another episode of Brunch Culture, your show where we talk about everything because everything is up for discussion. Yes, even bad singing. And bad singing is definitely up for discussion. Let me let me try to do it. I was trying to I've been trying to practice this so I can like get it like like she did because it was um, I can't even, <laughs> I don't even, be, I can't even begin to like try to mess it up like she messed it up. It's so bad, yo. It was really, really bad. I just don't understand. It was Who, like she was like lost with it. Like she wanted it to be sexual, but then like kind of like sultry and sexual, but then she wanted it to be like, I don't know what she wanted it to be. I'm about to play a little bit of it. I'm okay. trying to, I'm trying to play I'm a little bit to, of it. Yeah. Hold on. Steph Curry's faith in the the athlete's faith oh, is where it's hilarious. <laughs> the, my favorite part of she's going, yeah, 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 yeah. That's my favorite part. Like, I think this is it. <laughs> She definitely was memorable. Yeah, Fergie is like, it was just bad. And so the thing is, I always say like, yo, Fergie, you know, she can actually sing. But then people like, apparently she sang it for uh, President Obama. And I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds bad. That same version? (laughs) No, not the same version. Not the same version. She just sang it like, kind of like straight. But I think the thing that messes me up, though, is I'm used to all of these different people that have sang the national anthem and they all put kind of like their own little jazz on it. And it's like, they kind of own it and make it theirs. And so whenever somebody sings the national anthem, I automatically think about like all these dope behind people that are singing. It's kind of like, yeah, fam, you're not, you're not going, yeah, you're not doing what they're doing. You're not like on a level. And Fergie's is just like, even when she, the one that I guess was considered to be good, it was kind of like, oh, slow clap. All right. I guess this is, yeah. Yeah. I, the thing was, she performed that at practice and somebody told her it was good. Cause she wouldn't have continued. Yeah, no, she came up with like the the whole idea that like she did the 
that? And people are like, oh, yeah, that's it. But I don't know if she might have a team of yes people. Yeah, she yeah. can't have friends, she, real friends. Because yeah. I, it just certain moments that celebrities do, it reveals their lack of. In- I want to believe and that this was Will one of those I things. Am was like nowhere near that, though. He was like, when she was practicing, like, he ain't even, she ain't run it by him. She didn't tell him nothing. Cause obviously, like, yeah, no. Now, Fergie. And I remember, like, I didn't, I saw it on Instagram. I just saw a bunch of pictures of her. Um, people saying, like, oh, Fergie. And I was like, dang, what Fergie did? Like, what happened to her? And then I started listening. I was like, wait, is she serious? Like, is this a joke? Like, what's, but my, my thought was, in her defense, maybe it was a, she was like, it's the all star game. You know, people are here to have a good time. Maybe I should just kind of jazz it up. Like, that's why I I think it was kind of like a, like, let's have fun. I don't think she was, it was like, oh, we can just kind of be playful and play around with it. Mm, That was kind of the wrong time to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. (laughs) It was the wrong sound to do it with. That's what it was. Yeah, it just was all around bad. I was just like, where are we going with this? Yeah, I was. Yeah, hopefully it was going for it to be over. That's what I was waiting for. It was real bad. I listened to the whole thing. Like I didn't just listen to the clips. I listened to the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is terrible. But I thought the it's memorable. Like every time somebody sing it now, I'm gonna be like, that's my new thing. It, yeah, it's memorable and awful <laughs> at the same time. All wrapped up into one. Yeah, all wrapped TV. up into one. <laughs> well this is this has been a crazy week um well the last week was crazy on valentine's day they had the shooting um in south florida in parkland wait that happened which, in it happened on valentine's day yeah it happened Dang, on valentine's i didn't even realize that yeah because it was so crazy because i saw all the kids walking out they had their balloons and their teddy bears yeah and it's just like, man, on all the days, like the day of love, it's just, I mean, any day is horrible, but it's just like, wow. It's like the most least expected time to have right. something. I, it's, so the thing that frustrates me, um, I mean, I don't want to say the thing. One of the things that really frustrates me is I feel like at this point, I mean, we've had, was it there been something like 14 or something shootings or something, or something like that? Like there's been like a shooting a week this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that's frustrating is I, I really feel like people are doing it for the people that are doing the shootings. They're looking for like the attention and the fame and, uh, whatever that comes along with it. And it's just so frustrating because we immediately start talking about things that like people have mental health issues. And I'm not saying that people that have done these things haven't had mental health issues. Like nobody nobody has but it's it's frustrating that we we kind of go to that and start and as opposed to like addressing other comments and it really is one of those things that's like hey if this shooter looked different i wonder if we would be having a different type of conversation i wonder if we would really be addressing talking about mental health issues talking about um you know their parent uh was like used to be an alcoholic and was likely like drinking alcohol when they were uh, in the womb and things like that. Like, I wonder if we would be having those conversations or if we would really be vilifying these people for the villains that they are and literally trying to do things to, to change, to change laws. I did. I saw this thing on um, Instagram that said, you want to, you want to see gun laws change. 
uh, join the movement of every black man being armed with a with like a, a an assault rifle and see what happens. And it's like, yeah, laws will start to probably get changed super fast then because people will start to say like, oh no, uh-uh, this is it's such a bad thing. But nobody wants to have a conversation about like these automatic weapons and and just things that just don't aren't sensible. They don't make sense for one person to have access to and one person to be able to to shoot like. 15 bullets in like one minute like what the heck like how was that what's happening you know yeah and it's like people will say well if we restrict it it won't change anything but i look at places like australia that restricted it and they haven't had a shooting since um it just does show that it makes sense to you know it's sensible and i i think Anything, honestly, I feel like anything that people don't want to address and don't want to try and don't want to have a conversation about, it's very evident that that losing that thing, specifically in this case, like gun laws, losing this thing means that it's something that's uh, something else that's connected to. So it means that people aren't going to be getting the financial support that they're getting. They're going to piss off a certain group of people. So they won't get the kind of support that they have. Cause it's like, yo, the fact that you don't even want to discuss this, you don't want to look at the research. You want to look at like other countries who've done these things and compare what they've done and use that as kind of like a inspiration or a baseline to start make, having some, other conversations that's really that's really frustrating it shows how much power the nra actually has over our country i want to meet the people that run the nra i don't I'm like who what kind of people are y'all i don't that's and the the, the the saddest thing though is that these are your good upstanding people these are people that tell themselves that they move with such a like high level of uh moral code and you know i'm doing these things to to i care about everybody and they're not looking at the ways in which and i want to say the ways in which their their children aren't being affected but their people are being affected and they don't even see that as valuable because ultimately it becomes about money and power that's what people are really care what people really care about and it's like yo if i do this i go against the grain i go against the mold like yes this could have potential to help more people and to stop these types of shootings from happening um or even just minimize them at this point but no i don't want to do that because ultimately it's money and power that i want like those are things that are most important and more important than anything even people's lives which is hella unfortunate don't you, aren't you, is it NRA, the headquarters in D.C.? Uh, it's in, yeah, it's in Virginia. It's actually like, it's pretty close to where I live. I see it like on the highway. Yeah, yeah. it's just. It's it's right off 66. It's like right there. I remember like driving was like, wait, does that say NRA? Wait, is this the NRA? T- to the point that I was actually driving down the road and um, I ended up. I didn't see the guy. The guy, this guy was in his truck and he was like coming like in the, like my blind spot. And I literally didn't see him. I was trying to move out of traffic. And so I went to like jerk over into the right hand lane. And he like slammed on brakes. He almost hit me because I didn't see him. And so I kind of like threw my hands up like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Well, this dude, like he let me over. He got out of his car and he had like a bat and he put a gun in his back pocket when I tell you I sped off so fast and then he came up on side of me, he started like cursing me out. And I was just like, dude, literally wow. I'm, we're like feet away from 
the NRA. I ain't finna say nothing to you because you gonna shoot me and kill me and nothing can happen. Like that still to this day bothers me because I was like, I should have just got with him, yada, yada, yada. But I was thinking in that moment like, yo, the NRA, I can literally see the building. Like I can just turn around <laughs> and see the building right there. You'll probably kill me right here in my car and sit there and they'll probably come pick me up, say it was my fault because you know, I had an unpaid parking ticket and you'll probably get 30 days in jail and then just be free to live your life. I ain't got time for this, man. It is what it is. I'm moving on. Go ahead. Yeah. Some In addition to that school shooting and going on the theme of gun violence, Uber Eats. So this kind of disturbed me because I use Uber Eats. I use Uber Eats when I was in uh, New Jersey last week. Uh, to get some Popeyes. Uber um, Eats for Popeyes, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't feel like going, leaving my hotel room to get some food because I was like dead tired yeah. that day. Um, and that was the only place in the area that I was familiar with. All the other was like local places. And it's always random. Like it's always scary to get food from local places that aren't vetted. Um, you don't look at like their Yelp reviews? Yeah, but it was like, it was like, Mediterranean. Oh, okay. It was something. It was like, it was like not the know. style of food you wanted. Yeah. Gotcha. So I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna just get this good old Popeyes and call it a day. And I use Uber Eats to do it. So knowing that an Uber Eats driver shot person they delivered to, um, kind of freaked me out. Yeah, I heard it. And I was like, it's never that serious, bro. It's never that serious. Like I don't know. Apparently. The driver, who uh, is a black guy, was like him and the the customer end up getting into an argument because he was late. And when the customer came out, he felt like the customer was like approaching him and like about to assault him. So he pulled out his gun. And he shot him. But I think he shot him. Something was it like three times or something like that. Like it wasn't like a one shoot. Like he shot him a few times and then like fled the scene. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like kind of. Hey, what? I, I don't under. I, I would say because I've, I've I was listening to uh, the radio and they were asking like the commentators were like, hey, you know, why did he have a gun? And I'm like, oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to question like why he had a gun. I don't know if he's allowed to have a gun. Apparently, like Uber Eats doesn't allow them to have it or say that they shouldn't have any type of weapons on them or whatever. But I I can see you wanting to be prepared and like protect yourself. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, yo, fam, like. Y'all arguing over food? Like, is it ever that serious? Just cancel it. I've never used Uber Eats, but if it's anything like Uber, if somebody get irate or start, like, cutting up, just cancel it. I remember being in New York and trying to find this uh, the Uber this Uber driver, and he was like, I'm over here. He's, like, two blocks away. And I was like, yo, that's not where I said I set the pickup point for him. He was like, well, are you coming? You need to come. And he started yelling. I was like, bro, you... You done lost your mind, fam. I'm not the one. And so I was just like, I'm canceling it. I'll find another car. Then I just like reached out to Uber and was like, hey, give me my $5 back because I canceled because this man was getting irate and I'm not finna like get into an argument with a Like, it's not that serious, bro. You're, you're Uber driver. Come on, fam. Like, you finna wait, what, $5 off this trip? Come on, man. Leave. That's crazy. I never thought about how much they make off those trips. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how Uber Eats work, but I've talked to like Uber drivers um here and depending on where you're going they really don't make that much off of yeah they don't now they don't they apparently they used to make like a good bit of money but now since it's so many uber drivers are so popular they really don't make that much money off of a single ride 
um, depending on where you're going. So if you just kind of like going, you know, a couple miles, like they really, they can make what eight bucks. I don't know if eight bucks is worth me cursing you out or you cursing me out or you shooting me for like $8. Come on fam. Like just, just cancel it, you know, cancel it. Don't take him in his, his food. Let somebody else do it and call it a day. It's, it's really, I don't think it's ever that serious for you to get to the point that y'all are getting into an argument to the point that you would want to like, you feel like he finna do something to you or you feel that you need to do something. To, like, come on, man, just cancel the ride. Let it go. Let yeah. It go. It's not, now he's, his whole life is gone. Just off of that stupid decision. I'm interested to see though, what Uber will do as a result of this, because I don't use Uber eats never have. Um, I don't do it for reasons of, I kind of think about what people going to do to my food. And I'm like, Mm-mm. and then people cause be nasty. I'm like, nah. But it's like when you order pizza. But I don't order pizza for that reason, too. Oh, you <laughs> don't, don't order pizza? Yeah, I oh. always go pick it up. Because I'm kind of, I feel like I don't want to wait. I'm impatient. I don't want to wait 45 minutes, however long it's going to take you to get here. And I, when I was a kid, um, there was this friends of, friends of friends lived in this apartment complex and they used to go in and like steal pizzas from the pizza guy or go in and like take a slice of pizza out of the, the, the pizza guy's car. Cause he'll like get out of his car to go run the pizza in and leave the doors unlocked. And then like, I also, when I was in uh, college, I knew somebody that worked and that was a pizza deliv- delivery person. And like, they used to be taking out the pizza and looking at stuff or like, and I was just like, yo, I, th- this is nasty fam. Like, <laughs> no like i just you know no i'm good i'm just gonna get up and go get it myself i don't know what you got going on wow yeah i i use postmates and uber eats religiously but the do, thing i do like about postmates because i used postmates to get some bus boys when i was in dc they had it like stapled the uh, bag stapled. yeah so I rock with stuff like that yeah you gonna staple it for me you know it's good i feel like I don't really it, it minimizes my chances and all this stuff could just be in my head but yeah um I'm interested to see what Uber does as a response to it because I don't know people you don't think like I'm ordering food yo it's it, somebody I'm going to get shot but then it it kind of reminds me of like the whole um kind of fallout with Uber in general with people being like sexually assaulted and you know not being dropped off at the right place and people threatening them and stuff like that it's kind of like there's really not like a lot of oversight on these people, like when they're like Uber drivers. And I mean, they are based off of like rates and reviews in this situation. I just imagine the guy was probably like a cool person. And then you set him off and he shot you like what? Or some whatever he got like set off and then decided to shoot somebody like that's crazy. You know, what's crazy. I had the most insane. Did I tell you about the crazy Lyft driver I had in um, D.C.? No. Bruh picked me up and his car, first of all, it smelled like weed. <laughs> uh, Number two, he had on some <laughs> the most vulgar radio station where people was just talking about what they do, like describing. It was like audio porn. Oh, <laughs> OK. He looked back at me and said, I bet you never got in the car with this plan. And I'm looking like what, <laughs> bro? And it was the longest ride ever, because it was traffic. We were going to stands. Have you been there? Mm-hmm. So we were in traffic. So I'm already getting a headache from the smell. You got this obnoxious thing playing, and you keep asking me questions <laughs> about it. And I'm looking like, bro, 
It's awkward. Yeah, you. Sh- I would have just canceled the ride. Like literally, I've actually gone up to Uber. Um, I think it was Uber, and somebody like smoked. And I don't have a problem with people smoking. Like that, if that's the thing, it's cool. But I but can't it be. A- your yeah, I was gonna say I can't like inhale smoke, and they had obviously just got finished smoking, and it smelled like a mixture of like weed and cigarettes. And I was like. I, I'm just going to cancel. He was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I, I'm going to get a headache and then I'm going to get frustrated and I'm actually taking this to go out. So then this is going to like set the tone for my night to be ruined because I'm going to have a headache because of this. I'm good. Like, n- don't worry about it. It's fine. It's like, well, you know, they're going to try. You finna get charged. Like, that's fine. I'll just like get charged. Crazy. So uh, this woman on the plane lost her job because she had a meltdown on the plane yeah. um is she about to lose her job or did she lose well she it? was apparently suspended and she um she's she's apparently suspended and they're they're talking about or negotiating um what the next steps are but they were saying that um she may be terminated and so it started this whole discussion of like should people basically well first off this lady was on the plane yelling at somebody's child because she didn't want to sit next to a passenger that had a baby. She said the baby's going to be crying and she don't want to be around it. So she apparently started yelling at the lady's child. First off mm-hmm. for me, that, I mean, you get knocked out from that. Just awkward. Like you're not finna talk. Like, yell at my baby. Like this is a baby for real. Like you're going to yell at my baby. Like, wait, what? Who are you late? Like, what is your problem? So apparently like the flight attendant came over to try to calm, calm her down, defuse the situation. And she started going off on a flight attendant talking about, she's going to lose her job. Yada, yada, yada. The lady whose child it was recorded the video, uploaded to Facebook. And of course, as those videos do, they get shared like they go viral. Um, I guess the lady's job, the lady says who her employer is in the video dummy. And <laughs> it gets a hold. people. They get a hold to her employer. Her employer um, puts her on suspension and plans to fire her. And so it started this discussion of like, should she lose her job? Um, people are saying like, oh, she had one moment. It was one bad moment with cell phones. People take these phones and post them online and it ends people's careers and lives and it messes them up and that's not right. And I can kind of agree with that to some degree. Like, I feel like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't lose your job. But I also think in this space, she used her job as leverage in this situation. Like she used her job as leverage to try to threaten somebody. And so I feel like on that basis, you should lose your job. Like if she, had she never said anything about her job, then it would be kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're a private citizen representing yourself in this moment. And yes, you probably had a bad moment, a meltdown. You can apologize, you know, and move forward, maybe not be able to fly this airline for the next two months or something like that. I don't know. But she used her job as leverage to try to be like, oh, yeah, because I work for this person, you're going to lose your job. So it's like, oh, OK, fam, well, now you just lost yours because you you brought your job into this. Nobody else brought your job in but you. So now since you big, bad and bold because of your position, who are you now? <laughs> like, yeah, you got a point there. If you brought it in. <laughs> then that's going to be what it takes you out. Right. You 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 wanted to be big and bad because of your position. So, all right. Well, your position going to be big and bad for you. Because I feel like at that level, you are bringing... Apparently, she worked for like a, a politician um, or an elected official. And so, it's one of those things that you were kind of using this to say like oh who am, this is who I am and this is the power that I have and I have I have the power to do something to you and that's not right on any front like even if she was like you know I'm a greeter at Walmart like 
yo, the minute you brought your job into this to threaten to do something to somebody, like it wasn't even like a, a job title, like, oh, I'm an attorney. You don't want to mess with me. Like it wasn't that. It was like, oh, I work for this person and I'm going to do this. It's like, oh, well, you need to learn a lesson because how many times for me, how many times have you used that type of you leverage your job to to threaten other people? How many times have you done this to kind of like, you know, get your way in a sense? And that's not right. That's an abuse of power that that actually makes the organization or the person that you work for. It makes them look bad also because you then become a representative of them. Yeah, fam, you got to go. I'm yep. done. I, in that regard, I don't feel bad for I do think like. You know, people, it's kind of sad that people might do one thing wrong and, like, lose everything. But at the same time, mm, you, you're you an adult. You kind of got to move differently. Yelling at somebody's kid, I'm not for it. Like, you yell at my, my child, reflexes might kick in, and then we'll have a whole other conversation. So, nah. Yeah, you brought this on yourself. And I, and I know how frustrating it could be sometimes sitting next to a crying baby because on my way back from New Jersey, uh, I was on the flight from when I made the connector from Atlanta back to Jacksonville it was a baby and it uh, the baby the little girl probably cried the whole time but I was like you know what I'm gonna just put my headphones in yeah. it's a baby her ears are probably popping right and up and you know you're slightly annoyed but you're like it's a little kid you just go on about your day you can't control it the parents can't make them stop crying so yeah it's it's you know it's frustrating but it's one of those things that you're on a flight you know people fly with babies babies cry it's unfortunate you know if you have the opportunity to move moved i i've not i've definitely said on the flight like i knew there was a a child sitting even because i'm that way even with like little kids if I was like super tired, I'm like, hey, is there an open seat like somewhere else? Can I get that seat? Just because I'm like, yo, I don't want to be. And I love kids. Absolutely love kids. But I know like, hey, this kid is a little rowdy. The flight hasn't even like taken off. I can only imagine what's going to happen in this next two hours in the air. Can I move somewhere else? Like if that's a possibility. But I also make sure that I bring my noise canceling headphones so that if nothing else, I can cut my music up on my noise canceling headphones, put my shade over my eyes and go to bed. Like you got to kind of got to know like, yo, you're on the plane. People travel. People travel with kids like it's going to happen. You can't be. I don't want to be next to a kid. Well, get charter a private jet and shut up. Like it's just it's life. It happens. Yeah, you never know. You never know what you gonna where you're gonna be placed on the flight, especially with these new guidelines for Delta. Huh, I'm so frustrated. But new, that's new guidelines for Delta. What's what's Delta? Like their Delta. I think American is doing this. All of them. They have what they call Delta economy. Oh, where well, you can't pick your yeah, you can't pick, you can't your, pick seat your seat beforehand. Yeah. yeah, it's so frustrating. I don't know whose decision it was. I'm like, y'all trying to be spirit? What is this? <laughs> I actually just bought a, a Delta flight home from Florida for like in the next two weeks, and I saw that um, I bought the flight, and they were like, oh, for. I think it was forty five or fifty dollars. Yeah, fifty dollars more. You can select your seat, and I was like, "Well, if that's the case, I would just fly a whole." Like, I was just got a whole another plane ticket. Like, I got this ticket because it was the cheapest. Like, it was like sixty bucks. That's the reason I got this dang on plane ticket. You got a ticket for sixty dollars from Delta? Was that one way? Yeah, it's one way. Yeah. Oh, you be doing those one ways? Yeah, I, I, I do one ways all the time. I can't because I, I realized I was paying with round trip flights. I was always paying way more. 
um, than I would be if I was just doing multiple one ways. And so I, my go-to now is to just find one ways. Like I find one ways because usually the prices kind of even out if you look for just a round trip. And if I can't find like super low prices for one ways, I'll just do the, the round trip thing. But yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. some flight tips and, uh, you know, don't be yelling at nobody's kids. And remember to bring your noise canceling headphones. Invest in some beats or some bows, probably bows. It's worth it. It seems it's two hundred dollars. You might be like, Oh, that's too much money. Ain't nobody got time to spend that on music. But I'm telling you, on flights or times, even in the office, when you don't want nobody to bother you, it works. But I need to know when if the plane's by if something wrong. I don't need to cancel the the No, that's the plane. Yeah, that's the time I don't want to know. I don't want to know <laughs> on a plane. If we're seriously, if we're going down on a plane, I want to take like some dope me up on something. So I'm going to go to sleep and it's just done. I don't want to. Mm, once I start seeing people I wake up on the outside. Yeah. I wake up on the other side. I, I don't want to know. Like if the plane is going down, I want to close my eyes, go to sleep and just let it happen. And if it happened, you know, my heart is in the right place. <laughs> Mama, I love you. P.O.P. <laughs> holding it down. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot anyway, about that. We've been here for a minute, so we're going to get out of here and get into our main dish. You guys hit us up on uh, Instagram and the Twitter on Instagram at Brunch Culture, uh, Brunch underscore, underscore Culture, and on Twitter at Brunch Culture. And we'll be back with our main dish. <laughs> Well, we're back with our main dish. This main dish, we're going to take you on a journey to a place that we would like to go someday. To a land far, far away. <laughs> we're black we're people vibranium. everywhere. And vibranium. <laughs> Wakanda. Come on with the accent. Wakanda. Come on with the accent. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to enter in. I'm trying to <laughs> immerse myself in there um if you haven't seen it then you might not want to listen because it's going to be uh full of spoilers so you might want to not listen we want to warn you beforehand so you won't say that we ruined it for you yeah this is gonna this episode this entire episode is gonna be um a complete dive in and dissection of black panther the incredible movie that we've both seen multiple times so if you have not seen it at this point, it's time to, you know, hit stop, hit pause, fast forward to our toaster roast and check us back next week because <laughs> <laughs> we about to go in. So after you've seen it. So I just want to say thank you, Ryan Coogler, for yes. giving us this phenomenal film. Yes. Um, where black women were highlighted in their greatness. Right. Um, I, I. I really love that black women help save um, save the day. I could have did without the white man entering and assisting us. That was so funny because I, I thought that was going to go real left, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to be a bad guy, but he was, he was, he, I'm not familiar with the comics. So I didn't have any knowledge of what was going to happen. Um. So, yeah. I just I want to shout out that for for uh, that was like I was just I love that the black women just did were empowered and just were amazing in this film. What what initially stood out to you? 
Um, <laughs> almost, everything. honestly, everything. Honestly, um, to kind of just like follow up what you're saying about the black women. So there are so many things that I love the way that um, they were not only just save the day, but they were go tos and known for you know to they were guards. You know, they were they were warriors, right? And they were warriors in every sense of being the warriors. And I love uh, the character Okoye. I feel like she was kind of the definition of what they were doing um, with the with I forget what's what's the the, the the women guards. They have a name. I forget their name. The general the soldiers. Oh, um, she was the general. Yeah, she was the general. But they were like, there, there's a name for the soldiers. I'm gonna look it up as I talk. But um, her character, I feel like, kind of embody what black women are. And mm-hmm. I think that I loved it so much because I've heard, so I, I went and saw, and I'm, I'm going to deviate a little bit. I went and saw Proud Mary and I listened to this podcast that dissects movies. Um, It's called Black Man Can't, Black Man Can't Jump in Hollywood, I think it is. But they kind of were, uh, they kind of had this discussion about where well, they were dis- discussing uh, Proud Mary. And so one of the guys in there says that, how is it that Taraji P. Henson can be, this like assassin and also have so much heart and concern and compassion for this kid and she's like wants to be motherly and she's like a a a known assassin and she kills people for a living and it was so interesting because when he said that i'm like yo because she's a black woman and honestly watching the 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 movie uh watching the movie proud mary the thing that i love so much was the fact that she had that duality and i think that it was it was done in a way where she was an assassin so it's kind of like you have this like complex of like this this bad mean person but also somebody that has a heart and i feel like that same type of thing was shown in black panther with okoye but she was it was done in such a way that you really got to see the essence of what black women are which is like a pillar of strength and can be extremely strong and can be extremely like uh forthright and 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 leaders and also can have a heart and can be compassionate and can be like nurturing and loving. So it was interesting. And I feel like the thing that this, the very, like the opening scene um, really shows that in that she warns um, T'Challa like, Hey, don't freeze. Right. So this is a part of her knowing him personally. This is a part of her being kind of, you know, she's uh, loyal to him. She's a, a warrior, but she's also, like a friend, right? And she kind of like looks out for him in that nurturing way. So she's telling him, warning him, hey, you're going to get down there and you're going to see her and you're going to freeze. You always do it. Don't freeze, right? So I'm preparing and I know you. And he's like, I never freeze. And he goes down there, gets in kind of a situation, you know, thinks that he's saving uh, um, Lupita's character. He thinks he's saving her. And then they kind of get into a situation where it's like, oh, shoot, we weren't, you know, I froze and I didn't know what was, I wasn't preparing for like somebody else to come up. And then Okoye comes out and just like saves them because it's like she already knew. Like that's, that's the thing. I was like, that's the beauty of black women, right? Like they're always like one step ahead, one step ahead of us. We think about our moms, right? I don't care like what your mom was. Your mom had this sense of like nurturing, like she can be who she was. I'm sorry. She had this sense of being like, nurturing and she cared about you and she looked out for you but she could be also like super stern and Mm -hmm. it was like that duality i feel like yo they really captured it and i feel like it's so beautiful and i love the way that they did it because 
we don't oftentimes we we I feel like we always see women in general as kind of very one dimensional. Um, and then when they are, they have more complexities to them. That complex that complexity is surrounded by like their their love interest, their love for a man, or their ability to you know struggle them struggling with kind of being like strong in the face of like the men that they were with or the men that they love. And there was mm-hmm. another thing about Okoye's character, like oh boy from uh, Get Out. That was her, you know, her, her was her husband or love interest or whatever. And like at the very end scene, he was kind of like, you're not going to kill me. And she like, she had like a two second. Yeah. She had like a two second pause. And then she like went up against him and was kind of like, Hey, in the name of Wakanda, yes. Like, yes, I will. I'm a warrior in the sense, in every sense of what a warrior is. We wouldn't. That's what I love about that. Because I was just like, we don't see spaces where people where women aren't so tied to relationships right make decisions for the greater good right you know we see women often depicted on tv where they're enslaved by the relationship right right and that's their achilles heel the love for Mm -hmm. this man you know they're them just being there is like their achilles heel and she was like Yo, no, I'm a warrior, like fam. And I feel like she also showed that kind of that compassion still because she could have killed him in that moment. He had essentially gone against T'Challa, who she and and Wakanda, who she has signed herself up and given her life to protecting and saving, and he's gone against that. She was in full right to have killed him in that moment, but she didn't do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. she didn't kill him. She showed him mercy. She showed that love and compassion that she had, but she also let him know, like, fam, don't push my buttons. Like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I love you, but at the end of the day, we both signed up for this. And mm-hmm. we signed up for this. And if you're going against it, I'm not going to be, you know, dumb and foolish to be like, oh, well, I mean, you know, you're just a man. It was like, nah, fam, like, hey, if you out of line, then we're going to get you in line. Um, I love that. Yeah. And I, I think that was, yeah, that was definitely in terms of in the realm of women. I love that. I thought it was amazing. Um, I think yeah. overall, probably my favorite thing, and, and this is for... <laughs> reasons of of like how it hit kind of hits me in a personal way um was that i love that michael b jordan's character uh was it uh eric killmonger is that his name is that i said mm-hmm. is his first name eric now um, his first name i don't remember i just know it's killmonger um yeah but he his character his character the relationship that he had with t'challa and um the way that they kind of addressed with the movie not kind of the way that the movie addressed the sometimes complicated relationships between African-Americans and Africans that like have come, that have come to America today. Um, I feel like as an African-American, one of the things that is sometimes complicated when it comes to like trying to connect back to the continent or trying to like, you know, do like ancestry.com to figure out where my DNA matches or doing things like um, wearing like, African clothing or 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 like jewelry and things like that like obviously wanting to connect wanting to find a way to kind of like get into that space um but also being a little unsure where to start being a little intimidated wanting to be like being someone that wants to respect 
wants to respect my ignorance, right? And wants to respect the culture in my ignorance. And so I don't want to be somebody that's just like walking around with like all this stuff on that may have some meaning that I don't know, right? Or mm-hmm. <laughs> like could could some some way be offensive if if worn in the wrong setting. Like all of those things that I'm like, yo, I'm ignorant of, I don't know. But also being a person that's like, yo, but I do want to learn and I want to connect and I don't know the proper way to go about that. Because, I mean, one could say, hey, do your research. Um, And it's like, yeah, I can do my research and then I can wear something. And somebody's like, oh, yeah, this comes from my country um, back on the continent. Like, what do you know about this? And I'm like, fam, I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did Google and Google told me, like, it was a cool thing to wear. So I just wore it. Like, I don't want to be that person. But I felt like the relationship that... Um, those two had and the way that they tackled this desire for uh, Killmonger to to say, hey, you guys have access to resources. You guys have all of this, you know, advancement, this knowledge, um, this technology. These things could actually be used to change, completely change the lives of people in the States, of where, of my people, the people that like, you know, that have raised me and reared me. And we come from the same place, right? Like ultimately we come from the same place. I'm not rooted here and like connected in the same way that you are, but you know, historically I come from this space. So I'm coming in this place in the name of all of those people in America and saying, you guys should help because I I have rights in this space too. I need to find out a way to connect it. Now I disagree with, you know, his tactics or whatever, but I think that him, Killmonger's character, having that position and trying to, you know, and like fighting for that, to me, it really, it like stuck out because I'm like, whoa, this is speaking to so many people that really want to connect. Um, and, and don't know how to, right? And this kind of is like starting that conversation. And I also love, you know, just seeing the the people from Wakanda saying like, I loved and understood their position. Hey, fam, like this is ours, right? So we think about like our family. I can't come into your family's like family dinner and be like, uh-uh, mama, I don't want no macaroni and cheese. I want the collard greens and I want mine with ham hock. And she like, fam, <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, you cool and all, but like, this is our thing. You know what I'm saying? And so Uh it kind of, it kind of addresses, like, I understand, you know, people from Wakanda being like, yo, I don't, you're, you're welcome. But like, we don't know you like that fam. Like, you know, I don't have anything against you per se, but you know, there's a need for us to protect ourselves and protect our family. And we have done that. You know, we know the, what happens when we open ourselves up to the world and to colonizers we know what they do with this stuff we've seen how that hurts our all of our people and so we don't want to go around that place so i i understand the need to like preserve that and protect that but i also love that t'challa was like open to having that conversation um and open to being considerate of hey this is a monster in in the context of the, the film like this is a monster that my dad created like we all created this monster like maybe i need to stop him but also not like vilify him completely because he has like justification in what he's doing so that whole thing like for me was that was the thing that stood out the most and i was like yo this movie is classic like this is amazing yeah. You know what? And I didn't even think about this till um, Jason McCray posted it. And I thought it was so good. He said the true villain 
is Wakabi. He would be your best friend for 30 years, stand by your side while you're on the throne. And as soon as you don't do something he thinks you should, he'll attack you and try to kill you. Yeah. Killamonger doesn't get through the gates without the help of Wakabi. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's absolutely true. I think that's... And it, it was so it was, it was really interesting, too, when you say that you remember the, the scene. So when they found out that T'Challa was still alive, um, like Okoye said, she's like, hey, you know, he he didn't like he didn't he didn't concede. He is still we actually are still should be fighting for him because he is still king. Like he never conceded and he didn't die. He's He's obviously alive. So like. We shouldn't. She was ready. Her and like the women warriors were were back on immediately on T'Challa's side. And uh, I would would I don't know. Forget his name, but uh, Get Out Boy was just kind of like I don't really know. And then he ultimately decided to go attack him. It was like, wait, what? Like this was your boy? Like <laughs> wait, huh? <laughs> and I guess he kind of came from a place of like you know my fam, my parents are hurt and all this other stuff. But yeah, you know I'm a fan of loyalty, and so that wasn't that wasn't loyal at all. Love and loyalty. There's a meme that says when discernment is your gift, and they have him standing next to the white girl and get out. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) always choosing the wrong side. Always choosing the wrong side. You know, I've heard a lot of criticism about Killamonger and him not being a good villain, like Michael B. Jordan overacting. Did you think about? Did you? What are your thoughts on that? Because this is. Like, I've heard two or three people was like, somebody could, everybody was casted great. It, they felt like Michael B. Jordan was, could have been, another person could have played that character better. Um, I saw somebody post about that, but I don't think that his, his I think, and I mean, I don't know. I I just saw like, kind of like a post saying like, Michael, Michael B. Jordan could have done better or we could have done without Michael B. Jordan. But from the, in the context of like him not being, villain enough or evil enough i don't think that that's what he was supposed to communicate i don't think he was supposed to be evil um i don't think the goal was from because you think about why he was doing it right he was doing this from he felt like he was being a champion for his people right like Mm -hmm. he is fulfilling what his father wanted yeah he's helping people that need help they're people that need help you know black people uh african people that need help like that's what he felt like that's what he was doing so i don't think that he was supposed to be this evil person and honestly for me that was another one of the things that i appreciated about the film because if you look at villains you know in any other superhero movie right the villain has this goal of like world domination and taking over people and you know i just want to be i want the power and i want to kill you like that's kind of how typically comics approach villains and killmonger was like not that he was like yes i want power but i want power for the purpose of helping my people um, it was interesting too because T'Challa calls him out when he basically says like you have become your oppressors and he's like no I've learned from my oppressors and he's like no you've become them in the way that basically all he's doing is kind of flipping and I've had these conversations with people before right so when we talk about white oppression like um, like white people oppressing black people so black oppression and we're 
we talk about that and we talk about this idea of there being like one dominant race and that dominant race, you know, stopping things from for the lesser race well it's like well the reverse would you feel the same way if the verse were true were true so let's say black people were the dominant race in the states w- would you agree with us oppressing white people and i think that's the that's the whole thing of like killamonger was actually he wanted to flip it on its head he wanted black people to have you know the resources to have the power and and to be able to be in control and to be dominant. It's like, no, that's the problem is in the structure altogether. It's not the fact that we are just, you know, on the bottom and these people are on the top and in power. That's not the problem. The problem is this entire structure of one race of people being quote unquote, the dominant or the people that hold the power. Like that's the issue. That's the issue in itself. But Killamonger didn't do that. That's not what his mindset was. So I don't think that he was supposed to be this super evil person. Like, I don't, I just don't, I don't think that was the point of it. (laughs) I think the point of it was really for him to be somebody that was relatable, that you could relate to, that you understood um, what his motivation was in wanting to go to Wakanda. You understood what his uh, motivation was of taking the throne and why he had trained so hard and why this has been on his mind. He was so prepared to uh, beat T'Challa because he, had, this has been his, this is what he'd been thinking about, right? Like he had really been like planning for this for for however long, his well, his entire life. So it's like, I I get it. And I thought we, I think we were supposed to get it. Like there was a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, this movie is so layered. It's so much that can be said about this film that is amazing. Now, the first scene in the movie, I will say I didn't necessarily, I felt like it could be done. It could have been done better. And maybe because he was talking through his thing that it just sounded like, I don't know. I was just like, where's this about to go? Um, are you, do you know what I'm talking about? You mean the, the, rich, the, like the dad, the, the original yeah. Black Panther or not the original, yeah. but yeah. yeah the, the original Black Panther. The daddy. Yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. It's like, they could have shot that scene over. Um, when he just started talking, it just was like, oh, okay. Um, uh, I don't know. That's, that was the part that was like. But everything else was amazing. Yeah, there was there were times where I laughed. So when he said these Grace Jones looking Grace Jones looking chicks, um, and when they walked in, I bust out laughing because I was like, "That's something. That is something like a uh, American black person would definitely say. Like these chicks look like Grace Jones. Like that's our that's the only reference we have to like women having like these like." you know, Afrocentric looking like what Grace Jones with like these spots on their face. Like that to me was like hilarious. It's like, yeah, that's, that's something that we would definitely say. Um, and the other thing which was ignorant, but I laughed at, (laughs) this is really ignorant to me. I think I'm probably the only person that found this funny. So remember when, uh, T'Challa dies or not dies, but when he goes to like be, uh, crowned or getting approved by the ancestors to be black Panther. Right. He mm-hmm. goes to like this like seemingly Lion King esque sacred place. He comes up out of the ground and like he walks to this like tree. It's like the tree of life and it's these panthers on there. And one of the panthers jumps down and transforms to his dad and kind of gives him like the approval, like, you know, we all agree you should be Black Panther. 
Uh-huh. Well, when Killamonger did it, he went to the apartment in the projects. <laughs> and that, to me, was just hilarious as a hood person like and i was like yo i'm not picking on him because he hood. Because like honestly i was like yo if this happened to me i probably would end up in the hood <laughs> like i would probably wake up and like my dad is sitting in the hood like in this one bedroom apartment i just thought it was real funny it was real ignorant but it was hilarious to me um but that even that scene was powerful though when yeah he was like it's okay to like cry or whatever and he was like i'm not gonna death is a part of life or he was like it's it's okay to show his dad was trying to free him to show emotion yeah and he was just like oh it's a part of life it's like he had tried to make himself so callous but you see that like the pain was still there and very real and he just started he starts tearing up but it's like he's fighting back the tears um i thought that was just very very powerful to see how he was like wrestling with that hurt and he had like wrestling with anger wrestling with hurt but he was just still like man this is like i wish this whole situation was different right i thought it was also pretty dope too is that in during that scene uh killmonger when he's talking to his dad right he starts off with talking to his dad like he sees his dad he's an adult and then as his dad starts to talk you see the the kid version of him um, mm-hmm. It's not. It's no longer Michael B. Jordan, and I, I I thought that was dope too because it's like I feel like when you have, and this kind of this might be on some like too deep stuff, right? Um, and like maybe I'm 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 reaching, but when I made no, I'm not reaching. <laughs> Watching that, I think about when I've had like dreams about my dad um, who's passed away, or when I think about certain things with my dad, and I start thinking about certain conversations maybe I had with him, um, or just like feelings that I have. Oftentimes, my point of reference become like my childlike self. And it's like in order for me to really grapple with and and kind of reconcile certain things, I almost have to like go back to that frame of mind um, and remember the conversations that we had at that time. And it almost it hits me in a different way than it would if I was just like me today, because certain feelings and certain situations, like I'm disconnected from. And so seeing him, seeing them kind of depicted in that way of which as his dad is speaking, he starts speaking to like the child version of him, which is where this anger started. Right. And so he didn't just become angry as an adult. He became angry as a child because he lost his dad. He lost his dad. He walked into this place into this apartment and his dad is laying there dead. Um, And which I also thought was interesting is that they showed him like holding his dad's head, like kind of rocking and consoling him and crying in the same way that we saw the same, we saw the same scene with T'Challa and T'Chaka. Once T'Chaka died, T'Challa's like holding his head at like the UN and like rocking and crying too. And those, to me, those like two pair, it was like the same like parallel scenes, but it was like, what happened next was was different, right? So T'Challa came out with like all of this love and support of his people and these people telling him, now it's your turn to take the throne. You know, you have the support, you have all of this stuff. We are backing you. And it was like, Killmonger, when that happened to him, you know, we don't know. It doesn't go into detail of what happened to his life afterwards. But I mean, obviously, you know, he became educated and stuff like that. But we don't know the struggles that he had to face and endure in detail after that. And I thought it was just really interesting that they kind of brought on like the issues and like they brought the child, his child form and they brought on those issues. And then we kind of got to see 
like if you think about it and compare the two it's like oh wait these are how these issues really started too because there was the the aftermath of the death of your father was different right so for one person again he had all the support the other person is like nobody's there but just you and <laughs> the people that could have been there um your dad's people they left and they left you with like no concern for your person whatsoever yeah and his dad saying that that was the truth he chose to omit yeah yeah that was deep which was yeah pretty bold too because i mean we don't see people be vulnerable in that way right especially like men we don't get to see typically we don't get to see ourselves be kind of in a way where it's like i can admit my wrong and 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 even t'challa kind of challenge it not kind of challenging his dad in that and being like yo i've always looked at you in this like perfection type way like i thought you were so great and you cared about everybody and you were just like the person that i wanted to live up to and to be and now i realize that you are human just like me i realize you know you were a king in the way that you thought that you was the best way but i disagree with what you did that was wrong and like i am going to now right your wrong and completely go against what you and other uh black panthers and other kings before me have done like that to me that was powerful too yeah it was and i just the conversations he had with t'challa were just when he was like stand up you're a king yeah um, yeah and it's hard to be a good man and be a good what's it good yeah, king to be a, yeah to be a good man and king yeah yeah which it, I, it's real yeah it's very real because you have to make tough decisions tough calls you got to sacrifice some things you kind of got to piss some people off and you know do some things that's gonna rub people the wrong way and you kind of got to be able to stand stand in that and be okay with it um which kind of leads me to like the end of the movie where he said that they were going to share the resources with the world. I wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> and I wasn't happy about it. Cause I'm like, Oh gosh, I just feel like this is going to be, this is going to be a real, like problem. they going to take it. That's yeah, what they did. That's colonialism. Like the, yeah. I was like, the colonizers are going, they're not going to do this the way that they need to do it. Like, I feel like this is going to be a whole new problem, fam. Like, I'm actually not opposed to you keeping it just for y'all. Like, maybe invite some people in, um, you know. But I don't know about y'all telling the people where it's at. Because I feel like now you're going to have even more people trying to come after you, trying to take what you have. Um, and I just don't, you know, I don't know. For me, I'm just kind of like... Yeah, I get it, but maybe just help some people, which I guess is kind of contradictory because it's like, well, I think I want, I think that you should help people, but then I also want you to keep this a secret and from everybody. So it's, yeah, it's weird. One thing that one of my friends pointed out, um, just in kind of dissecting it with him was he, he commented on the type of villain that villain in quotes that Killmonger was. So it was good that, so he came from like, you know, this hood environment, right? But mm -hmm. he went to MIT. He was, you know, very successful in like in the military. He so he's extremely intelligent. And we're not they didn't present him in the way of being like this horrible person that's been in prison that used to beat, you know, beat on people and rob banks and stuff like that. Like he was not that person. And I also appreciated the fact, too, is that when we first see his character at like the museum, 
he's educated, right? He has, he's telling the late who's this lady whose job is to know about these things that are in the, uh, that are in the museum. He knows it better than her. Right. And he's telling mm-hmm. her like, Hey, this came from here. And he's, he's like, yeah, I actually really like him as I think about it. Like, I really liked the way that they, they held this character. But as my friend was saying, he wasn't like the typical villain and almost in this lazy sense where it's like everything about this person has to be bad. And their own their sole motivation is kind of like revenge for their father or revenge for their lost loved one. And it's like, I just want to revenge them and I just want to like, you know, I want I want to get vengeance and... I just want to kill everybody because you hurt me. Like that wasn't his thing. And he wasn't also like going out and hurting other people um, just because he was just so broken and torn. Like this was a person that was fully realized in that. Yes, I'm hurting that my dad is gone, but I'm all I'm mainly hurting because of what happened after my dad was gone. I'm, I'm hurting because I know that my dad I'm a I'm I'm from Wakanda and my dad has told me these things or I found, you know, my dad's writings and and learned about these things. No, in the beginning of the movie, his dad, I, that was him talking to his dad. And his, he's like, you know, daddy, tell me about like home or whatever. And he's telling them about like Wakanda and it's so beautiful and all this other stuff. And I think like that to me. And as, when my friend pointed out, I was like, yo, I appreciate the fact that this villain is. It's somebody that we can connect to. It's not this villain that is just like any other typical lazy, lousy, like lacking real true motivation villains. And I feel like they, I feel like it was kind of done slightly with like Spider-Man Homecoming with, um, uh, was it, uh, was it Dr. Octopus? No, that wasn't him. It was like, what was the villain in that movie? I forget the movie. He was like flying or whatever. He had like all these, these. Gadgets. Oh, was that the son of the the guy, and that was Peter Parker's friend? No, 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 no. That's a, this is the the latest Spider Man, Spider Man Homecoming. Oh, um, I didn't but the, see that. One. Yeah, the guy was like broke, and he was like um, trying to get these. He was like using these weapons. He had gotten some from like the Fantastic, not the Fantastic Four, but like the the Avengers. And he um, was using like the power of like a part of the crystal or something like that to make all these weapons and stuff. And he ended up using it to fight Spider-Man. But his motivation was like, it was for to like provide and take care of his family. He was trying to like keep that going because he needed money. So I feel like they tried to do it with that villain too. But I feel like it just really landed a lot stronger with Killmonger because it was kind of that, 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 he came under the umbrella too of I am an African American and I want to connect to this place. I feel that I, I have a right to connect to this place. Right. I feel like I have rights to this throne. I feel like I should be able to challenge, but you guys have like pushed me out. Um, you guys don't want to have this connection with me. So I'm coming here to fight for it, but I'm not fighting for it for just me, but I'm fighting for it for all of the other oppressed people in the entire globe. And I want to use this for that. I just feel like it just landed a lot, a lot better. And it was like, yo, kudos to you guys for not making this kind of like basic villain. Like, yeah. Yeah. He definitely was very uh, complex. And at the end, that line, I think, was like wow 
when he was like, you know, we could work something out. And he was like, nah, you ain't finna imprison me, fam. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw me in the ocean. Uh, like my ancestors who knew that death was better than um, bondage. Yeah, yeah. And um, it that was powerful. Because it made me rem- remember the fact that a lot of, um, during that time, during them, the transatlantic slave trade, a lot of them did just like, hey, you ain't finna do this to me. I'm just, I'd rather die. Right. And I, I so, um, one of the things that I think too is like, that I appreciated about that scene and that statement is, and I'm gonna say this carefully because I don't, I, so we always, when we talk about, you know, people that made, made it through like the middle passage we always talk about how strong they were right and we talk about like yo we come from people that were able to endure that and survive that so we're that's a part of our lineage and i feel like that's true right like there's something to be said about the people that were able to make it to the americas um or to the u to what this stolen land um (laughs) 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 there was something that was that was um there was something you know to be said for them like to to honor and appreciate like their strength and what they were able to endure but i think that sometimes and maybe this is not the intent but sometimes it can be kind of lost on those people that didn't make it right and we can kind of lose those people that actively decided to you know, jump ship or to, you know, commit suicide or whatever it was like we we um, we don't comment on them. I'll say that because I don't I've never heard anybody say and I've never thought this like, oh, they were cowards or they were weak. Nobody has said that. But it's like we don't, we don't think about them. Right. We nobody ever comments on those people because it's an effort to kind of like almost kind of like uh just remind us of like why we should be strong and kind of soften the blow of what happened. Um, but I, I just thought it was so powerful when he said that. Cause it's like, this also sheds light on their strength. Think about what it takes to like, have to know that this decision that you're going to make to jump or to do whatever you are going to die. Right? Like we think about death now, day to day, people aren't comfortable. It's something that people are, we're all just kind of a little uneasy. It's like, would you want to know when you're going to die? Most people are kind of like, yeah, no, I don't want to know when I'm going to die. Right. Cause like you would spend most of your time just focused on that and not really being able to move. But these people knew that making this decision to do whatever it was within their lives. Like, so you know that in moments of doing this, my life would be over think about how much strength it takes to do that. Like, and so when he said that, I felt like it was almost, it was definitely like paying homage and to them and also making sure that we have a balanced thought process of everybody that had to experience this. Right. And not just the people that made it over. We also consider like those people that made a conscious decision uh, to not come here, to not make it through, right? And, and and acknowledge the strength that they take and say, hey, death is better than bondage. Like that is their strength in that, that, that thought, that, that thought and that idea, like that is a powerful thing. So I thought it was when he said that, I was like, yo, this is, this is dope. Like, cause we don't normally have these kind of conversations. Like we don't typically, we don't really think about those kind of things. And I think, you know, it's just I just thought it was really dope that yeah he said that and it was kind of like a like let's honor those people too because 
that's important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And shout out to Shuri. She is like super dope. I think she Disney like princess. Yeah, I think she really rocked it for uh millennials. I think she encapsulated like everything about us. Um I think <laughs> I, I I thought it was great when she kind of raised her hand to challenge her brother just kind of being like i feel like with this tradition stuff like come on guys like we know nobody's (laughs) gonna challenge him like it's like come on can we just like crown him and go we sitting out here all day long doing all this hooting and hollering because everybody in the past has always done it but ultimately we know these people these people already said they're not gonna challenge him we know they're not gonna challenge him get his man his uh crown and and stuff so we can get out of here like i thought that was hilarious and then i love the fact too that she was in charge of technology um and she was like all of mm. these technological advances these new things that was coming out she was the mastermind behind she it. apple she 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 a apple uh uh sister look like i that's why i'm like yo i think this is really dope that they gave it to her character to be the the brain behind it and not just the person that knows how to use it but also the person that knows how to develop it and to create it yeah I my think- favorite line was just because it works doesn't mean it can't be better or improved improved yeah and that's like that was like yeah that's yo for every freaking time that we've had issues with other people in in the corporate world or whatever environment that you're in and you're trying to tell people people like just do it this way it's like no wait that does work but there's a way to be more efficient and effective in what we're doing if you just pause and, and listen like we can really, really get there. Like I thought that, yeah, I thought it was super yeah. dope. Because even if you think of every great brand, they're always doing something to push the envelope forward, even though it's nothing really wrong with it. I yeah, think about R&D. like something basic with Instagram changing their logo. It's like, why did you do that? Like it was already thriving, but some somebody there was like, this is where we're we're just we want to push the organization to a different level. Right. Even though it works, we're gonna make it better. Yeah. And so those kinds of things, I, it was amazing. And when that, what are those? Yeah, uh, just I loved how they incorporated stuff that we are familiar with in culture. Yeah, um, to yeah bring the story to life and keep us engaged. Yeah, I thought it was pretty dope. One other thing though that I I really appreciated. Um, is that their we don't know like what their relig their religion was or what they believed in, right? We saw them like pray to, for like strength and guidance from the ancestors. But I appreciated how they handled like faith in this way. Um I think oftentimes when we start talking about like African faith, um, or African religions typically people kind of do it in like this spooky, almost it comes across like this creepy way where you it kind of seems like they opened the door for people to be either a uncomfortable or be kind of like can poke fun at it. Cause it's like, Oh no, especially I feel like, especially like as Christians, like we typically, I want to say everybody, but people that are Christians is kind of like, uh, uh-uh, that's weird. Like anything other than like what we know, it's just like, uh, uh-uh, get out of here. It's weird. Um, but I felt like they handle it in such a way in this movie that it made sense and even like when they were doing kind of like ritualistic like dance like i want to say dance movements but ritualistic movements and things like that it seemed like 
these are civilized people, right? These are all civilized people that has technology and things like that. And they just do things different from what I do. And that's, that's it. Like, it was like, that's, that's the basis of it. Right. It wasn't like a, you know, let's call on this spirit. That's kind of going to swoop down and like jump into him. And we're going to see, like, it wasn't like creepy in that way. And maybe that came across because it is like a superhero movie. So you're kind of in this, like, you know, alternate universe world fantasy type thing, if you will. And so that's like, it softened the blow. But I just, I feel like they really handle it in a way that I rarely see it happen, specifically when we start talking about like African religions. I feel like it usually always comes across as like some kind of way, just like not, not normal or not like something that we could stomach, if you will. And I feel like they, the way they handled this was just like, oh, wait, this makes sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they infused it at times where they should have and the times that like it didn't make sense and it just wasn't there. It wasn't kind of like this thing that just seemed to kind of be like overbearing and just out there. Like it was like, no, this, I get it. Like this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't, it was, it was tastefully done. Yeah. And, and, and still sensible. And I don't even feel like it was done in a way of like, kind of like censor who these characters, like what these characters believe and what they, they, who they were like i don't think it was that at all it was just kind of like it was i almost felt like they brought it was like we we respect this we respect this difference right and rather than kind of like poke fun at it or open the door for it to be viewed in any other way than what it is and then in the same way that like if somebody in my family was like dying or sick, I would like, you know, start praying. Like it made sense for you to pray. Right. (laughs) Like in, in the same way that, you know, other cultures have some form of like a rite of passage into like adulthood, if you will, or into a new level or space in life. Like they also had that, like, it just, it was different, but I feel like it was just done in such a way that it was like, Oh, this makes sense. Like this really makes sense. It wasn't like, you know, the black Panther was out there, in the middle of like a fight and then like you start seeing like all these ghosts swoop in and all this stuff and it was like uh i don't really know it just i don't know it just it it seemed sensible and it really makes sense and i appreciate the fact they did that Mm -hmm. you know another point that even that goes to your first point about um the general his love interest and her name slips my mind look um what was her name in the film okoye oh yeah okay okoye um, she had that same thing where she wasn't like, she was like, I like you, but I still feel a greater purpose. Oh, were well, you talking about Lupita's character? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm going to find her name in a second. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah. But she still had, I just loved going back to the first point you made. I just loved that we had a film where we could have love interest, but we weren't immersed in them to the point that we couldn't do other things right. like our like he had to end up changing what his ideals were to accommodate like her what was important to her in order for them to even go in the direction of being together yeah she was like i like you but hey i got a purpose i want to help these people and it just it's it's so refreshing to see that on screen where you can have like a desire to your for your purpose and a desire for a person, but at the end of the day, you're not a slave to your desire for that that 
your significant other. Right. It was done. It was, it was definitely done on her terms. And, um, and it, women were incorporated in their decision-making. Um, and I thought that was, I thought that was super dope too. I definitely agree. Like, um, even, you know, we didn't see, I always, and I've been saying this for a while lately, I feel like one of the things that kind of weakens a lot of stories is like this kind of forced love story, if you will. Um, some films, I just feel like it doesn't fit. Like, I don't feel like I see the why this is the character's motivation beyond like this is traditionally what it's supposed to be. Um, and I think that with both both of them, with uh, Bozeman's character and Lupita's character, like they they obviously both had like an interest in each other. They, they obviously were attracted to each other. They, we even know, we find out that like, you know, she's his ex-girlfriend, like they used to date or whatever. And I guess they have like, they're in like this situation ship. Shout out to the situation ships. Um, and I thought it was like, it was cool that that didn't become the four. That wasn't like the forefront, the four story. Like that wasn't what we saw all the time. And when we did see it, she had a, something to say about it, right? And so it was just kind of like, no, like I, I would be a great queen if I wanted to, right? Like, like don't get it twisted, yo. And then even at the ending scene, um, like towards the end, or I think it was like one of the last scenes when uh, T'Challa like kisses her. Um, is is it Nakia? Isn't it? Isn't her name Nakia? It might be. I really, I had this like character guy that like broke down who who everybody was, and I can't find it. But she ended up saying like, like he ended up kissing her, and then she ended up coming back and like kind of leading the kiss to him, and saying like, hey, you know, I want this like too, like this at this moment. Here is when I'm making the decision for this thing to happen not just because like you telling me that like hey get on over here and i'm like okay well i'm just gonna go and be with you it's kind of like nah like this is this is a a mutual thing it's a partnership like we both want this thing and so we're gonna make it happen it was amazing yo i realized we've been talking for like a long time about black panther we Uh, almost need a part two we honestly i was just gonna say honestly we can talk about this movie like and i don't even feel like we've touched everything i feel like we kind of touched a lot of like highlights and high points of this movie this really we really could have maybe like a four-hour episode about this movie (laughs) in general no seriously because there were so many there were so many other like like messages or themes and just the way stuff were was done i watched this video of uh ryan coogler like breaking down the fight scene um like the first fight scene um and like what the colors of their outfits meant and what certain movements meant when okoye threw off her wig and what it meant for her to be she was a traditionalist so she fought like a traditionalist and she fought in a way like a traditional warrior and like lupita's character is an in like she's more of an innovator and she is not tied to tradition and so her method of fighting is different and it was like just watching him break it down and it made sense and he's like they're showing the scenes and they're pausing it as he's talking about and it's like yo every little detail about this movie is so like 
it makes so much sense and it's so dope and we can really spend all kinds of like time just kind of dissecting it but also dissecting it because it also relates to like us now and i think that's the other thing it's almost to me is i feel like it's like hearing a good like sermon like it's good because you know the information is true but what makes it like super good is the fact that you can like connect that to your life today like that's what makes it this is so dope so yeah anyway black panther i mean if you've listened to us talk this long if you you haven't seen it like you basically just listen to it so (laughs) hopefully that y'all y'all have seen it but if you have if you only seen it once hey like what's wrong with going to see it again if you're an amc stubhub member this is not an advertisement they're paying us for but if you're an amc stubhub member on on tuesdays it's five dollar tickets so uh yeah go check it out go see it again i plan to see it a third time if yeah it, yeah probably this weekend i'll probably see it a third time if not next tuesday but anyway y'all let us know hit us up um and let us know what y'all think about black panther um what's your favorite parts what things that like maybe we haven't covered that we need to think about and possibly even talk about again um hit us up on twitter at brunch culture and on instagram at brunch underscore culture and you guys can email us at brunch at gmail.com and we will be back with our toaster roast And we're back with our toast or roast. Today, I'm going to do a roast. Um, There's this woman that is a thorn in our side as African-Americans. We would like to trade her for someone else. I'm Amorosa Manigault. Uh, Newman. Amorosa Manigault Newman because she's married to a pastorist from our city. So she's in our city a lot. Um, She... (laughs) She left. She's not probably in where you're at, but she's in our home, uh, Randall. Unfortunately, yeah, I think she, I'm gonna say yeah. I think she she ran out of here, <laughs> never to return. But just the videos when she was like, she was scared when he tweeted when Donald Trump tweeted, and she really believed she was serving her country, and she did this as a noble cause, and she would try to say things and. You know, she would never vote for him again and tried to play on Rudy. Keisha Knight Pullen was like, well, you supported um, Bill Cosby. Um, You understand how it is to be loyal. And I'm just loyal. And I'm like, girl, bye. Right. For real. (laughs) Like Angela Ryan. Seriously, you did not do this out of no loyalty to black people. First of all, even the black Republicans said you were hard to work with. Like, you know, what I'm saying you weren't even working with the people who have like some rapport in that in that circle. Right. You weren't even trying to work. You were shedding them out because you wanted to be from what, you know, um, I heard Angela where I talked about her friends that were black Republicans. And um, what's the other lady that was Urban Radio Network? Um, that's the CNN correspondent. April. Oh, April, April Ryan. April Ryan talked about, you know, their friends that were black Republicans having a problem with her attitude. Like if you were really in it for us as a people, you would have worked with the people that are even on that, you know, more conservative space. You don't even want to work with them. Yeah. You'd be trying to build relationships, actually, like trying to to do some work like you're mm-hmm. in politics. You'd be trying to build relationships to get some work done. And you had already burnt your bridge with the black people. How are you going to fight for us and fight against us at the same time? 
That's what I'm trying to see. That's and call us out and say stuff like, I don't mean to take over your roles, but call us out and say stuff like, we're taking names and those people that go against the administration, we're going to remember those names. Like, there's a whole video of you saying that. There's a whole video of you fully standing at as this villain, if you will, saying that people want to vilify, but we don't forget. We have a list and we're going to remember those people. And like, no. Yeah. Even more, everything she says is baloney. And I really hope, I know CBS is probably getting ratings from her ignorance. I don't know any black person, personally, none of my friends or myself watch it. We see clips on social media, but that's the extent of it. Nobody wants to support her. Um, And it's just frustrating that she continues to go from place to place, trying to be relevant, trying to get a platform, continuing to lie. She is seems like one of the biggest opportunities to ever <laughs> walk the planet and continues to act like she had our backs when she didn't right. at all. Right. She was creating division and trying to um with I think the uh caucus, um the black caucus and other groups when they would have events, um, she would when she would attend she would get into it with the people who were there. It's just like, girl, you can't be forced against us at the same time. Right. Pick a side. And we all know that you are against us and you will not be invited to the barbecue. Yeah. And- she, I mean, she's against anybody that anything, anybody that's not for her being, you know, super great and being a superpower and having like influence. Like her, her, her sole reason for the white house was honestly the status and to get this book deal. One of the reasons I hate talking about her is because I feel like this fuels this book deal that she already knew that she was going to get. And this is like, Oh, I'm going to be a person of prominence and influence. Cause I worked for the president and I worked in the white house. Like lady chill, get out of here. I'm sorry. You know what's interesting though? Forty five still hasn't like attacked her on social media. He's attacked everybody. Everybody he's attacked that's left. Oprah, yeah. uh, LeBron, he's attacked Kaepernick, he's attacked I mean, he borderline kinda attacked the uh the I mean he's attacked FBI. I think he's attacked Jeff Sessions this morning. He has failed to attack Omarosa, I wonder what she has on him yeah. or what kind of relationship they have where he doesn't feel the need to attack her and he she's like tossing his name out in the streets as garbage. It's it's really phenomenal to to watch that. And I don't mean phenomenal in a <laughs> necessarily a good way, but just it's interesting how he attacks whoever is attacking him. He's not yet attacked Omarosa. It makes you wonder why. It definitely makes you wonder, like, pause and be like, yo, what? Why is this not? You ain't said nothing about her, fam. Like, nothing. Um, Even with, like, I, the one clip, Not I haven't seen anything other than that one clip where she's talking to, like, was a guy named Ross. Um, But, yeah, he hasn't, even with her saying that and being like, I was haunted by tweets. Like, you would think that he would say something, but he ain't said nothing, so we shall see well yeah unfortunately we shall see because i just kind of want her to be over but whatever <laughs> well that that concludes my roast Omarosa. i just want her to go somewhere and disappear yeah 
I think we all do. Um, so in in lighter, better news, as if we did not talk about this movie enough, I really just want to shout out to Ryan Coogler um, for um, Black Panther, but also for the work that he has done. I, he did Fruitville Station. Um, didn't he also do Creed? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's only thirty. He's he's, not... he's thirty one. Yeah. yeah, he's thirty one. He's our age. It's just like, I'm like, what am I doing the, with my life? Exactly. Like, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, I thought these degrees were like helping, but gee, Wilkers, Batman, this is amazing. Um, but I just want to shout out to him. Honestly, I like I've watched interviews with him, and and I appreciate that. Like, he's just himself. Um, I appreciate that he seems to approach just from the interviews that I've seen, he seemed to approach his craft with like a sense of purpose and saying that he wants to tell good stories and he wants to tell good stories that um, shed lights on the issues, but also like inspires people. And so I just, I think it's really dope to see kind of like the progression of him going from, I think they say like his first budget was, you know, a few hundred thousand or something like that. And then like him having this $200 million production budget for black Panther and seeing the crazy, crazy numbers. I think the final number was something like 235 million or something like that. The first four days. And that's just in the U S alone. And then like worldwide is something like 400 million. I just think it's it's amazing that he's been able to do this and I want to shout out to him. And I also, um, I've been seeing things on Instagram and I don't know if it's really true, but it says like he wants to work on the story of Mansa Musa, which is also like pretty dope. And I just, I, seeing somebody that does something that's trying to like raise awareness or call, um, bring us together and unite black people. It reminds me of like, me seeing like Spike Lee movies and like having like my dad talk to me about what those movies mean meant or like what certain scenes meant and like why I should appreciate it or pay attention to it. Like I'm, I'm excited to see somebody from our generation, a millennial that really is pushing um, for these things to happen and for us to have like stories that show us in a certain way and really, you know, just uplift us. So because you can get to a certain level and get like a budget and kind of make it, you can kind of make it yeah what you want to make it but to kind of be true to honoring your people and and doing stuff with purpose i think is amazing so shout out to ryan coogler um ryan coogler is my toast for this week and we have a good vibe um this week's good vibe is the difference between average people and achieving people is their response to failure and that is by John Maxwell. Yeah. Nothing but truth. Yeah. Absolutely nothing but truth. Fail forward. Yeah. Don't fail backwards. Fail, fail and forward. fail often. It's okay. Like we all do it. Um, and yeah, how we respond to it is ultimately what makes us great and what makes us achievers. And you should always strive to be an achiever. So, uh, that's going to wrap up another episode of Brunch Culture. As always, guys, we thank you guys so much for listening to us, rocking with us. Um, thank you guys for being patient with us on our, you know, us trying to work out this scheduling thing. Uh, we definitely think we have something that works now. So, we are going to be talking to you guys and bring you guys episodes every week. Make sure that you share the episode, uh, post what you think about it. We really want to interact with you guys. So, uh, you guys continue, continue to feel free to email us and make comments and things like that. We love it and appreciate it. Um, make sure you go to iTunes and leave us some reviews and some comments. Those 
reviews help us to continue to to continue the show and to to find some support to help us continue to make these things uh you know we love you guys we appreciate it and we will be back next week and as always here at brunch culture everything is up for discussion